Welcome to Ghostly. Does William Henry Harrison still haunt this world? Hey, Rebecca. <laughs> hey, Pat. <laughs> what do you have planned for President's Day? Uh, I got up to work. This is our President's Day um, episode that's coming out after President's Day. Yes. Just close proximity. Close enough. Now, I do not have to work. That's nice. I'm so. very happy for you. I'm not at all jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you sound maybe a little bit jealous. Maybe a little bit, but it's o- it's okay. I like my job and we're busy, so yeah. I should show up and Yeah, that's job get security. Done. Yes, that's true. So, what else do you have planned before the next episode? Ah, uh, well, uh our big thing that we got going on is C2E2. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because our next episode comes out on March 4th. Right. So that'll be so, just after. Just after. And we have so much going on. We do. I mean, I think our biggest thing is, I think we announced it last time, right? We have on Saturday mm-hmm. at 2 o'clock. At 2 o'clock. At the Fountain. At the Fountain where you don't have to actually buy a ticket to get in. Right. Uh, at McCormick Place in Chicago, yes. downtown Chicago, we have a fan meetup. Yeah, with Bob After Dark. Of course. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be there. <laughs> Who's bad? <laughs> Who's bad? Uh, no, it's going to be, I think it's going to be super fun. So this is February 29th, a day that only happens once every four years. Yeah. Um, so super rare and who knows what kind of creepiness might happen. Um, and yeah, we're hoping to meet up with as many ghostly fans and bad fans as possible uh the ghostly society i'm sorry ghostly society (laughs) (laughs) the society of ghosts Uh so no if you're in the chicago area uh, definitely you know think about coming down like we said you don't have to go to c2e2 but no to be honest like it is super fun just to be in the lobby yeah. because you see all of the amazing cosplay. Yeah. And especially on Saturday, it's the it's amazing the costumes these people put together. Absolutely. And here's the thing, if you, you know, if you're not going to go get an autograph or a photo op with one of the celebrities, and you don't really care about the shopping aspect of it Which all. I don't understand. I mean the shopping yeah. It's pretty amazing. And the panels and stuff like that. But if you don't care about all that, you just want to see people in cosplay and meet people, you don't even have to pay. You just go to McCormick Place that day, hang out by the fountain, you'll see plenty of plenty of people. Yeah, plenty of people, lots of cool stuff. Um, and then, you know, it's right by a lot of the museums and yes. all sorts of fun stuff to do in the city. So, yeah. yeah. So come on by. We would mm-hmm. love to meet you. We have buttons. Yes. And uh, we will be glad to, we're going to bring a black marker this time so we can sign them. Yes. We, we had some struggles uh, last time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's going to be good. All right. So do you have any listener mail for this episode? I have a great listener mail. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I like great ones. Yeah. This one, it's... I just love this story so much. We have, Okay. I, I have to say, I'm excited. We have um, a few stories out there um, now that we've, we've been getting. Um, I want more. Um, because I like having choices, yes. you know, to kind of theme things up if possible. Uh, but uh, so, but this one uh, came from our ghostly society on Facebook. Oh, our group. Our group. Yeah. That you can get to, if you just do a search for ghostly society 
or ghostly podcast, it might come up as well. Oh, I'm sure. You yeah. can go on our Facebook page and, you know, we link every so often to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really fun. It has. Lo- we post out some of our research and episode ideas and uh, and people post a lot of fun memes and different fun stories and yeah uh anyways but we've had a lot of people sharing their stories on in the society and so i, I want to share some of those out to our listeners all right all right so this is uh tanya okay uh and this is such a great story so here we go we had a strange kind of neighborhood growing up my grandma owned most of the property down the riverfront nicknamed tin can alley because we were not rich but she wanted us all together as a family Not everyone was blood, but still considered family. Down the road from us lived an older man named Earl. I called him Uncle Earl. Earl was simple, hardworking, good old boy type, and always wore a red bandana as a sweatband. He always told me to, quote, mean what you say and say what you mean. Mm, That's really good advice. It is. One evening, he told my grandma he'd chop some wood for her in the uh, field next to my house. Before he could do it, he passed away in his sleep that night. Oh, poor the, Earl. I know. Uh, the funeral took place within a couple of days, and everyone agreed he would be buried in his bandana. <laughs> of course. The night of the funeral, I was asleep in my bed, and I kept hearing a banging sound from outside. I got up and told my dad. He said he could also hear it, so he took a spotlight and looked around outside and didn't see anything. This happened a couple of times, so he said it was probably sounds carrying over the river or through the woods surrounding us, and we went to sleep. The next day, Dad went out and took a look out in the field, and he ran back to Grandma's house, and his face was white as a sheet. He said that the wood pile had been cut, split, and perfectly stacked, and there was the red bandana Earl was buried in, sitting right on top. Wow. How sweet that his unfinished business in life was keeping his word. I never feel his presence, so I know whatever lays in wait for us after life, he is on his next great journey. Wow, that was really good. Yeah, it's like the sweetest ghost story (laughs) I've ever heard, and I was very excited to, to share it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for Earl and all of his family and friends. And just what a sweet, sweet man he sounds yeah, like. absolutely. Yeah. Now, speaking of things that are not so sweet, it's time to do the polls. My favorite. It's never my favorite. <laughs> Even though you do win sometimes. Well, this one, uh, this one's going to be kind of weird. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. So what were the results? So the results were 52% said, yes, they still haunt this earth. And 48% said, no, they do not. Now, here is the thing, though. Uh The poll is still open. Oh, sorry. I must have said it for a little bit longer. So you have a chance, (laughs) my skeptic bros, which are both male and female. Uh, Is it still going to be open after the uh, new episode comes out? Yes, it will. Did I set it like It'll that? It'll be open two more days after that. Okay. So we can't be sure it's going to end up this way. Oh. So all of our polls, people vote on them on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And that's facebook.com slash ghostly podcast. Usually put it out the Thursday or Friday after an episode launches. Yes. And I usually keep it open until right before we record. So I must have yes. uh, 
mix up the dates in my mind. And this one, um, there wasn't that many votes too. So yeah, it was a little really, lower voting. So really, one person could sway this whole thing. One this skeptic, is, this bro. Is your... <laughs> male and female. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm declaring this win and uh, moving on. Okay. <laughs> well, that brings us to today's episode. Yay! Uh, it's all about William. Henry Harrison, the ninth president of the United States of America. And I will admit that neither of us was quite sure which number president he was. No, and it wasn't the easiest thing to find either. So, yeah. yeah. William Um, Henry Harrison. Now, you may be asking yourself, why have I never heard of this man? I mean, some of you have. Well, they may have. They just didn't know that was his name. But we'll get to that. Yeah, some some of you have. Um, but some of you haven't. Well, that's because he was only in office for 31 days. Yep. And so that might have been... So- you may have heard that there was a president like that. You yes. may have heard that story, but you, yeah, I didn't know his name. <laughs> so this is our President's Day episode. And previously, we've done an episode for George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, two of the finest mm-hmm. United States presidents. I'm Very not going well to known. say the the best, because I got in trouble for <laughs> celebrating Abraham Lincoln's birthday, calling him the best president. Uh, I still believe he's he he's really up there. Yes. Uh, so this one's a little bit different. For President's Day, we're going to talk about the first president to die while serving and the president with the shortest term, just 31 days. No other president has ever served that short of a time. Yeah, let's hope that it stays that way. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But there are a lot of reports that he haunts the White House. So we thought, you know, it would be it would be great to do an episode. So, Rebecca, are you ready for your famous ghost story segment? I am. I am. All right. I'm I'm excited. excited. This is going to be this is going to be a crazy episode. So please keep listening (laughs) because the. The craziness just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Even one. through the ghost stories. I mean, the yeah, I'm not going to go into too much. But um, I will say, whenever you look up ghosts in the White House, he will always be on the list. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. All right. So here's our ghost story for today. Imagine you are a new administrative assistant at the White House sometime in the past. You You pick. You have a great first few weeks getting to know all the systems. I mean, it's the White House. It's so important and everything you do has an effect on the business of the government. Many people work overtime and you soon join in. There's just always so much to do. One night you were working late prepping for an important meeting with a world leader the next day. While there are some people around, most people are gone or out, including the president and the family. You start to hear shuffling noises from upstairs. It used to be the attic, but now it's the third floor and more and more parts of it are being renovated into living space. But there isn't supposed to be anyone up there right now. At first, though, you dismiss the noise as just a security guard or, well, just house noises. But it keeps getting louder and louder to the point where you can't keep ignoring it. Frustrated, you decide to go upstairs and see who is making all this noise. You've got work to do. You make your way upstairs. It's eerily quiet, not a peep from anywhere, except the area right above your office. And I mean, really, also the Oval Office. 
It's still a storage space. At first you think maybe it's mice. So better just to call pest control. Um, but then, you know, you think it just sounds too loud and purposeful for, for that. So you decide to open the door and see what you can see. And fortunately, what you see shakes you to your core. When you open the door, you see a figure with a blue glow seemingly searching around. Not talking, but coughing? You slam the door and run back downstairs. Your first thought is to tell everyone. Then you decide maybe it's better to tell no one what you saw. They would never believe you. One of the night shift guards comes in to say hi and sees your face still white as a sheet. The noise has stopped, but he looks up at the ceiling and back down to you and says, oh, looks like Harrison was rummaging around again in the attic. No idea why he does it, but uh, this house definitely has its ghosts. Wow. So where did you get that story from? My head. Your head, okay. I mean, it's based on (laughs) the stories of his ghost but yeah okay gotcha there's no particular well very very well said thank you i have to say yeah so why don't we go ahead and take a break and when we come back we will do our history yeah it's gonna be some interesting stuff yes absolutely Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness. I'm Darren Marlar, host of Weird Darkness, where I share stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Recently named one of the best storytellers in podcasting for 2019 by Podcast Business Journal. Whether it's ghosts, cryptids, True crime or creepypastas, you'll find it all in Weird Darkness. Episodes uploaded seven days a week. Search for Weird Darkness in your favorite podcast app. Or listen now at WeirdDarkness.com. Welcome back. It's time for the history. Now, when I started to uh, compile this information, I did not have any clue how long this would this would be. I mean, I kind of assumed this was going to be one of our shorter episodes. To I be did honest. too. He only was in office for thirty-one days. Right. I mean, how much of an episode could that be? <laughs> no, there's a lot of history, and everywhere you go. There's a bunch of names, and if you try to research those names, you're going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and you start to realize that um, that they have been a part of politics since back way before America. Oh, the way Harrisons before. have? The Harrisons, oh. yeah. So just like William Henry Harrison himself, he has left a lot of questions after his death. And I really wanted to do an episode about him to clear up some of the misinformation that has been going on about it. There's, 
you know, people that say this and that. I, I really would like to give the real story. So William Henry Harrison was born into a rather large family by today's standards, uh, seven brothers and sisters. Oh, wasn't there a TV show? That's Seven six. Brides for Seven oh, Brothers. I thought you were talking about the Brady Bunch. Oh, yeah, there is that too. Yeah. <laughs> so he was born on February 9th, 1773. Rebecca, do you want to talk about his zodiac sign? I can. I okay. can. I like that 7073, though. That's a That's a good year. Yeah. All right. So he's an Aquarian, right? Um, uh, Same as my mother. So Mm. this is going to be interesting. Okay. Okay. So first of all, famous Aquarians would be Ellen DeGeneres, Mm. Darwin. Darwin. Wow. Shakira. Shakira, Shakira? Yeah. And Oprah. And Oprah. So a lot of one namers. Yeah. Darwin, Shakira, Oprah. That's all you need. Only he's got three. So yeah, yeah, because he had three, nobody else needed more. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we have assertive. Okay. Or uh, as the Cosmo says, read obstinate. Um, Analytical. Mm. Read detached. Okay. uh, Original. uh, Read eccentric. Hmm. Humanitarian, read hippie. I'm not sure about that one. Well, That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, independent, read loner. Easygoing, read awake, question mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, they're into, I don't know, anything that's avant-garde, new, anything, you know, that's cool out there. They're an air sign. Um, so they're all clever, opinionated, and analytical. All right. Well, after I do the history, you tell me if he matches up with any of these things. Yeah, I'm excited. So listeners, I will say, while usually I've done a little bit more reading with the history before the episode so that when Pat's talking about it, it's not totally new to me. I mean, there, you know, there might be some new stuff, but this time there was so much that while I have read a few things, I certainly have not done the deep dive so i'm just as much in the dark as all of you and i'm excited to to hear about this just wait (laughs) so he was the youngest child of founding father benjamin harrison the fifth he was born in charles city county virginia his ancestors had been in virginia since 1630 this family was born and bred for politics their political ties go all the way back to england and probably even before that one of the most interesting facts that that we came about was that William Henry Harrison, or as I'm going to talk about him, WHH, uh, was he was the last president born as a British subject. Yeah, that under was British America. Right, right. We were because then we 1773. It was yeah. like, oh yeah, like I guess when he was born, it was and, before the Declaration. So. And his wife was the last first lady born. As a British subject. As a British subject, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. His father, Benjamin, served as a delegate to the Continental Congress and signed the Declaration of Independence. And he was the fifth governor of Virginia. Okay, there's some pedigree there. Right, definitely. Uh, WHH was homeschooled until about the age of 14 when he started to attend Hamden Sydney College, which was a Presbyterian college in Virginia. His father didn't like that because he was not Presbyterian. So he yanked him out of the college after three years. 
He then eventually transferred to the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. And the ironic part is that he studied medicine under Dr. Benjamin Rush. I don't. I, I, that name sounds familiar. Again, that, that you, that's another rabbit hole. I'm sure yes, who Benjamin Rush is. It is. It definitely that. is. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let that one go. I take some of the rabbit holes. I don't take them all that's because okay. <laughs> there's there's so much. But yeah, so he studied medicine. So the man that had the shortest term in office, right, because of an illness, studied medicine. Yeah. Well, I was going to go back a little bit too because that idea that he went to college at age 14. Yes. Which I I don't remember, but I was just listening to another podcast that was talking about the fact that I was talking about something that happened at Harvard and how again back then, right, like you went to college as a teenager. I mean, yeah. not most people, obviously just the rich people, but What was the other podcast? Uh, most notorious. Oh, nice! It, okay. I love it. It's a yeah. great pie. It's um, it's more like old crimes. Okay. So like so many of the podcasts today, they're like the what the, the podcasts <laughs> today. I thought you said the pod the pod podcasts. Um, <laughs> the podcasts today are like crime junkies or whatever. They're all yeah. the like modern yeah. like current crimes. Um, but this is he brings authors on, and oh, and interviews them about their books that they've done about crimes from like you know whatever oh, a hundred years ago a couple wow. hundred years ago super interesting but anyways they were talking about how different college was back then so it's just kind of hmm. funny to think like at 14 yeah you're going to college going to college but that was totally normal yeah well most kids at the age of 13 started working the farm i was just gonna say most yeah, kids that was when they were done with school exactly so his father passed away shortly after he started to study medicine that's the reason why he didn't finish mm. and whh was 18 Robert Morris, a person he was staying with and future senator, actually, became his guardian. Also the name of a college locally. Yeah, I believe it's named after him. Okay, there you go. But with the death of his father, WHH's family kind of ran out of money and couldn't afford his tuition. You'd imagine it would probably cost a lot to become a doctor. Mm. Uh, So he dropped out and joined the military. To be fair, though, a, a friend of his father's uh, a governor, Henry Lee III, convinced him to join. So on August 16th, 1791, Harrison was commissioned as ensign in the army to the 1st Infantry uh, Regiment. Uh, he was stationed at Fort Washington in Cincinnati in the Northwest Territory where the army was engaged in ongoing with the Northwest Indian War. Now... Oh, man, I, I feel like I need, and maybe you're going to get to this. So, um, like, is this the United States yet? Or is this still, like, the Confederate States or? Uh, yeah, I believe this was the United States. Then. Like, we had signed the Constitution yes. by this point and all of that. That may, Okay. Yes, I believe so. Do you want to Google that as I'm going? Sure. Um, Harrison was promoted to lieutenant by Major General Mad Anthony Wayne. I know a Mad Anthony. <laughs> he might be listening to this. <laughs> uh, 1788, June 1788 is when the Constitution was ratified. So 1773. Yeah, so it sounds like it was the U.S. at that time. Okay. This was following a horrible defeat under Arthur St. Clair. So Arthur St. Clair was in charge. They had a really bad defeat. So Harrison was promoted to lieutenant by Major General Mad Anthony Wayne. <laughs> I like that that's his name. <laughs> Mad Anthony must have taken a strong liking to the boy as he became his 
aide de camp, which is almost like his right hand man, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is what taught WHH how to be a commander. WHH's mother, Elizabeth Bassett Harrison, mm-hmm. passed away in 1793, and he inherited a portion of his family's estate, which included 3,000 acres and several slaves. But since WHH was serving in the army, he sold it all to his brother. Mm. So um, I called this part of it when when Harrison met Anna. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, when WHH met Anna Tuthill Sims of North Bend, Ohio, in 1795, sparks were truly flying. Her father was Judge John Clevis Sims. He served in the Revolutionary War as a colonel. WHH did the right thing and asked the judge for his daughter's hand in marriage. Mm-hmm. And the judge refused. Oh, wow. So what are they to do? But they waited for him to leave town and eloped. Oh, I'm glad they didn't let him get in their way. Nope, didn't let him get in the way. Uh, they were married on November 25th, 1795. And since WHH was still in the army, he couldn't get leave for a proper honeymoon, so they honeymooned at Fort Washington. Oh, that's what a romantic. She must have really way. loved him. <laughs> I think so. Now, as you can imagine, though, this kind of pissed off the judge. Mm. So the judge confronted WHH. It was at like a dinner engagement that mm. they were at and asked him how he was going to support a family. WHH strongly replied. By my sword and my own right arm, sir. So this kind of won over the judge. And the judge sold him some land for him to start a farm and make a house. It was 160 acres. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, so in some ways he was a self-made man. I mean, he certainly came from enough money and background that he was able to call in some favors and, you know, do some things that most people couldn't especially the political ties yeah like i mean if you see all the people that he hung out with and stuff they were they were big time names yeah some of the names i mentioned in here they're just crazy that you know Mm -hmm. that he that he had connections that far up yeah so (laughs) whh was a pretty frisky man Mm. let's just say that (laughs) like to like to woohoo uh, in your if Sims you speak, yeah. yes, you've been talking in Sims speak a lot, <laughs> as we learned from the last episode. Yeah, still, still into it. So Anna and he had ten children together. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, and W H H also had six with a slave girl named Delicia. Yeah. Now that that is horrible, right? <laughs> Definitely. Um, but one of those six children was the grandmother of Walter Francis White, who was a big-time civil rights activist and an executive secretary for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People until he died in 1955. The NAACP. Yep. I like it. So one of his kin went on to do that. Mm -hmm. So WHH was promoted to captain in May 1797 and resigned from the army on June 1st, 1798 to pursue his political career. Okay. So the political career. Wow. If I were to list off all of WHH's political history, we'd 
be here at least three hours, I swear. I mean, there's so <laughs> much. So I'm just going to list off some of the offices that he held. These are not all of the offices okay. and not all of the circumstances. These are the ones that I found the most interesting. Okay. So he had a post in the Northwest Territorial Government. It doesn't really list what it was, but he was appointed by President John Adams. Okay, then. He was acting territorial governor when Governor Arthur St. Clair, remember mm, the one that yeah, lost the battle, right? Uh, whenever he was absent. Okay, so that's two so far. Harrison defeated Arthur St. Clair for the first congressional delegate of the Northwest Territory in 1798. Wow. And I believe that was the sixth Congress or something. Okay. The sixth meeting of the Congress or something like that. Okay. All right. So that's three. He was chairman of the Committee on Public Lands and promoted the Land Act of 1800, which made it easier to buy smaller bits of land in the Northwest Territory for less money. Mm. $2 per acre. I don't know if I could afford that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd at least get a few acres. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if I didn't go to Starbucks for a couple of days, I could probably get like 10 acres. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this led to rapid population growth in that territory. So it's directly responsible for that. Okay. He also served on the committee that decided how to split up the Northwest Territory. So the Northwest Territory became what is now Ohio and Eastern Michigan, and the Western section was named the Indiana Territory and consisted of Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and the other part of Michigan and a portion of Minnesota. On May 2nd, 1800, John Adams appointed him the governor of the Indiana Territory. Wow. So he wasn't elected, but he was appointed by the president. Okay. President Thomas Jefferson and James Madison kept reappointing him as governor and was given the power to make treaties with Native Americans. Mm. That is until he resigned on December 28, 1812, to resume his military career in the War of 1812. Well, that and he was pro-slavery, Mm. and found that the Indiana Territory was not. Jefferson secretly made a deal with James Lemon to uh, defeat the pro-slavery movement led by, led by Harrison. I so, bet that's a whole other... Yeah, so he also changed, changed political sides at that point, too. Oh, changed He like became parties. a Whig. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. Interesting. So that was like, what, seven? One? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and that's just a sample. Yeah, just a sample of what is... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more. Wow. Uh, now, when I say that WHH stepped down to fight in the War of 1812, well, he's a major reason it happened in the first place. Uh -huh. So since WHH was given the authority by the president to make treaties for the U.S. with the Native Americans, I'm not going to say Indians, I... I I'm going to change there that. There you go. So, Let's be, be clear. The Native American tribes band together to meet with WHH in Vincennes, Indiana. I actually have have um, a family history in Vincennes. Interesting. Yeah. In 1810, uh, they came dressed in war paint. They were ready to go. The leaders of the group were brought to Grouseland, which was a house that WHH had made and one of the first brick structures. Okay. 
Tecumseh Shawnee wanted WHH to nullify the Fort Wayne Treaty. This treaty gave each tribe the right to sell land to the Americans, but the Native Americans believed that all the tribes had to agree. Tecumseh had threatened to kill any chief who signed the treaty if they carried out its terms. WHH refused. Tecumseh got upset and started to talk in his native language, which Harrison didn't understand, but one of WHH's men claimed to understand and cocked his pistol. Then many of the Native Americans drew their own weapons. WHH drew his sword, and they all backed down. Tecumseh informed WHH that he was going to seek help from the British before leaving. Mm. So in 1811, WHH was authorized to lead an army against... So he was the governor, right? Right. So they... So the... The president gave the governor the right to lead an army into battle against wow. against the Native Americans or against the Confederation of Native Americans. It was um, a bunch of representatives from all the tribes Okay. Um, that Tecumseh formed. Tecumseh was wise to this and launched a surprise attack on the soldiers in Tippecanoe. Mm. This is what started the War of 1812. Wow. It's such a hard history to to hear for me. It's one of those things like, I mean, I'm here and I'm happy I'm here. You know, most of my family was not here at that time. Or if they yeah. were, a few that were, were out east or whatever. But yet it, I, the the guilt and the weight of what, what was done yeah. uh, is pretty, is a, a lot. It's really hard and it's hard to process. And it's, um, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's it's there, and we have to acknowledge it. Um, but man, it's hard. Well, I, I don't think there's many countries out there that came from totally legitimate means. Yeah. I believe every country out there has done something against another tribe or another another country to gain land, mm-hmm. or you know, to protect their own land. So still bad though. It is it is definitely yeah. So during the war, General James Winchester made WHH a brigadier general. Now, I couldn't find out if this James um, Winchester was part of the Winchester family. Oh, man, our Winchester Mystery House episode. But I'm thinking so. I mean, it's got to be related somehow. Uh, Eventually, WHH and Lewis Cass were responsible for negotiating a peace treaty with the Native Americans. Mm. WHH would go on to serve in the House of Representatives and in the Senate after this. All right, eight and nine. Got it. Yeah, right? (laughs) So now we're starting to get into the presidential stuff. All right. WHH ran for president in 1836 and almost won. If he had received 4,000 more votes in Pennsylvania, he would have received all 30 of their electoral votes and won. So think about this. In an election that comes down to 4,000 people now, we would spend weeks and weeks and weeks recounting votes and doing all kinds of things to figure it out. But Mm -hmm. that was just like, nope, you lost. Well, I mean, and I would say, I think even in our some of our more recent elections, we've definitely had situations. It wasn't maybe just one state, but where we had several states where things were very close with it, you know, and I think... 
I also, sorry, can I get in my soapbox for like mm-hmm. a second about why people should register to vote? Yeah. Again, I am not here to tell anyone who yeah. they should vote for. That is, is not usually my pitch. Uh, I just want everyone to vote. Um, it's always important. My mom was an elected official, local elected official, and I have absolutely seen people lose those elections with like 10 votes. Oh yeah. I mean, it happens. And those are the people that make the decisions a lot of times that affect our daily lives a lot more than even the national people. I mean, that matters too. Don't get me wrong, but the feds, yeah, the feds. Um, but you know, it matters and it's, it gets harder and harder as we go forward and we, you know, there's just so much noise and, um, it's hard to, to, to keep track of everything. Um, but you know, register to vote, make sure that you are, um, Vote Save America is a website that you can go to. They will, you can like just check and make sure that you're registered if you don't know. Um, and, um, you know, there's a, the League of Women Voters is a nonprofit, nonpartisan group that is in a lot of places around this country. Yep. And they have candidate forums yeah. and all sorts of I went really, to, one we of went, those. Yeah, yeah, we went to one of those ones. And it's such a great way because you, you know, it's like, I don't know this person running for like, committee chairman or you know like mayor or whatever and it's a great way to actually see those people talk and then make informed decisions and a lot of times those are like nonpartisan races too like the local ones so anyways that's especially especially the judges and the sheriffs i have no idea who these people are i usually vote for the name that sounds the most appealing (laughs) to me well or like i'll sometimes like look at the newspaper or something and kind of you know try to read it there but um yeah so stay informed please vote you know it's our civic duty and one that a lot of people fought and died for and it's so important when the majority of us don't vote then the then the minority are making the decisions for all of us and that's not good absolutely so going back to this sorry wh ran for presidency in 1836 as a whig candidate okay he lost to van buren um but this was a very interesting election though This was one of only two times in history that a major political party intentionally ran more than one presidential candidate. Oh, because they didn't. Why did they? Why would you do that? I don't know, because they didn't know who to pick. I don't know. Oh, you mean like in the final election? In the final election. I thought you were just saying like in the primary there was an incumbent and they, but they still had. Wow. Yeah. The second time was in 1860. By the Democrats. Interesting. Yeah. We would never see that now. Um, Both times it leads to the other side winning. I would imagine because you're splitting the vote. Yeah. So you pretty much know going in. Yeah. But WHH almost won that. Interesting. So WHH ran again in 1840 as the Whig candidate and faced a sitting president, Van Buren. Okay. The Whigs nicknamed Van Buren Van Ruin because of economic problems in the country. And the Democrats named WHH Granny Harrison, (laughs) the Petticoat General. I guess because he had resigned from the army before 1812 and then came back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they made a big to-do about that. Like, you didn't just stay in the military, you know. And that maybe was he older at that point? Uh, He was, but not. By any means, was he an old man? I mean, well, yeah, he was for those times. He was in his 60s, yeah, late 60s. So, so. maybe that was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What really got WHH elected was that the Whigs boasted so much about his military career. 
So what they tried to take away from him, he brought back. Aha. And they used a slogan, tip a canoe and Tyler too. Have you ever heard that? I have heard that. I had no idea from what though. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I've just w- heard it. When I, I read know. it, I was like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. okay. It all comes together. So John Tyler was the VP candidate. And I know you're going to talk I about him. I am going to talk more about him. Really quick though. So the this was... This was Harrison that used Tippecanoe and Taylor too. Well, the Whig Party used it to promote him, so he used it. Right. Okay. This was the other side saying he didn't have a choice. I mean, that's gotcha. what they used. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Tippecanoe and Tyler too uh, actually became a hit folk song of the day. <laughs> nice. And the band they might be giants covered it in uh, 2004. Ooh, maybe we'll have to post a link to that in our Ghostly Society. Absolutely. So I believe the course goes something like this. Okay. For Tippecanoe and Tyler 2, for Tippecanoe and Tyler 2, and with them will be little Van Van Van. Van is a used up man. Nice. <laughs> it kind of, you know, <laughs> it's kind of abrasive there. I just said, like, like we always think of how um, our politics can certainly be harsh and judgmental and name calling and all of that, and they are. But I think yeah. we we somehow have it in our mind that in the past it didn't used to be. That yeah, it was way. always that way. It was always that way. Yeah. There was maybe a little bit of a break for a little while, but trust me, it, most of our history. <laughs> well, also you have to think about this. They needed something that was going to grab people right away when they went in to vote because if you held a rally, if you held anything, there were no microphones. Right. So you know when you think of like like Abraham Lincoln giving the given the uh, Gettysburg Address. Which was after this. Which was after this, but still no microphones. That's what I mean. Like, there was definitely yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, so, but yeah. when he gave that, there were thousands of people in attendance, but only, like, the first five, ten rows actually heard what he was saying. The rest of the people just looked at him talking. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's all so you could do. The visual of it was really yeah, important. Yeah, like, they used monocles and bin- yeah. well, binoculars and stuff. Well, and he was tall, so that may- Well, we're getting on to Lincoln, but yeah. yes. Yeah, absolutely. So WHH took office on March 4th. Which is later than yes. we, we do today. Yeah, they changed it. Yeah, um, yeah we do... Um, January. Yeah, January 20th, right? Yes, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I know a little you bit know about stuff. politics. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I should run for office. You should. Would you vote for me? I would. Okay. I don't think you'd like me once I got in. So. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> So he took office on March 4th, and he left office by dying <laughs> on April 4th, wow. just 31 days later. Oh, wow. So this is really like, this is really bizarre here. Okay. This is the story that some people might have heard, but you're going to also give us some truth. Yes, okay. I am. At his inauguration, he wanted to show that he still had it. <laughs> he was still cool. So he chose not to wear an overcoat and hat. It was cold and wet. He rode on horseback to the ceremony and not in a carriage like everybody else and they had provided for him. Because he a man. Yeah, because he was a general. So he wanted to show that he was the next Washington. Mm-hmm. So he also, during the inauguration, delivered the longest inaugural address in American history, 8,445 words. 
It took him two hours to read it, and that was after it was edited. That's crazy. Yep. I'm, and like you said, I just could you imagine just sitting there listening to two hours? Well, could you imagine if you weren't in the first five to ten rows? Oh. And you just had to look at somebody? So they would have picnics and stuff oh, in yeah. the audience. Right. Uh, he was also the first head of state to have his picture taken. That is really a cool fact. Like, I like in that the world. Fact. Like in the world. Oh, not just in the United States. Yeah, the first head of state, wow. period. Yeah. So after all that, he rode in the inaugural parade and attended three balls. Nice. All without his jacket and hat. Mm. Now, some say that the inauguration is what did him in, that he got sick during that and never, never recovered. That's the story that I have been told my whole life. But it wasn't true. <gasps> Yeah. He became ill with a cold after being caught in a downpour on March 26th, 1841. Over the next two days, his symptoms just kept getting worse and worse, and a team of doctors were called in to treat him. Okay, so we got a cold, and we got some old doctors coming in. Well, I don't know if they're old. They could be young doctors. Well, I don't old, know. For t- old standards. Yeah. So the doctors diagnosed him with right lower lobe pneumonia, and proceeded to bleed him. Oh, goodness. As was the process in the day. Mm-hmm. It didn't do anything. Oh, gee, shocker. They tried a bunch of other things, a bunch of medication, a bunch of all this other stuff. Um, most of the medication that they had given him is stuff you could buy at Walgreens without a prescription now. So they didn't really have, you know, oh, yeah. the modern medicine. But everything that they tried only weakened WHH. This sounds so much like Washington. It Remember does. when we did the Washington yep. one? Middle of the bed? Yep. Yeah. Middle of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the White House didn't make a statement, so public speculation started to gain. And by the end of the month, there were large crowds outside the White House holding vigils. They still didn't even announce what was going on, just that nobody saw him for the mo- for wow. a couple of days. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. So I was reading something. In 2014, Jane McHugh and Philip A. McAwiak did an analysis in Clinical Infectious Disease magazine. You know that's one of my favorite magazines. I mean, I read it every month. I mean, I do too. I live and die by that magazine, literally. Um, They were examining Dr. Miller, which is one of his doctors, notes and records of White House water supply being downstream of public sewage. And they concluded that he likely died of septic shock due to enteric fever, typhoid or paratyphoid fever. Interesting. So, I mean, would that be related, though, to the yes. fact that he had the cold and was had been bled the, and so was weaker? No, he didn't have a cold. He had septic shock. Oh. And that's why he went downhill so quickly. Okay. Because of, because of the sewage. It's just weird that nobody else died. We don't know. Mm, I suppose that's true. Um, but, you know, he lived there, so that's the thing. Yeah. His death caused a lot of issues for the U.S. The Constitution intentionally doesn't spell everything out, right? Because mm. it's a living document. It didn't really say what to do in case of a, a president's death. So eventually, over a lot of heated debate, John Taylor what, became the 10th president after a 30-day mourning. Yeah, so that's interesting because it's like I always just thought that was like what the Constitution said. Like the no. president dies, vice president becomes president. Well, there was a question too. Is 
does John Taylor become the president or does he just act out the job of the president and remains the vice president? Kind of like if you're playing poker and the big blind goes out, you have a dead big blind, so nobody plays it. Okay. That analogy is really bad. I'm not, I, yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna, I play poker on occasion. What? But I, I, I can't claim to really be able to follow that, but that, I'm going to trust you. So, yeah. So after a 30-day mourning, John Taylor became the 10th president. Wow. Tippecanoe and Taylor, too. Interesting. Uh, Anna, WHH's wife, never actually made it to the White House. As you know, so she didn't get the same sickness. Oh, you know, yeah. Had, because she was already ill. Oh, <laughs> Uh, when he first went to the White House, and she was packing to move into the White House when she found out about his death. Oh, wow. So she wasn't even there. Nope. How sad. And she makes history, though, as the oldest woman to ever become first lady in U.S. history. Well, okay. She was 68 years old. Okay. Yeah. Wait, Nancy Reagan had to... Well, I think until Reagan. I think, yeah, I think they were the oldest until... Until Reagan. But how old was Nancy Reagan when when she became um, first lady? Good question. Look that one up. I will look that one up. So she went on to live more than a decade after, after he died. Um, but following WHH's death, she lived with her son, John Scott Harrison, who had a son, Benjamin, who served as the U.S.'s 23rd president. This created the only grandfather-grandson duo, which also made Benjamin... The only man that could say that he had a father that was a president and a son that was a president. Now, I must say that there is a crazy story involving John Scott Harrison, though. When he died, body snatching was a big thing for medical schools. So the family made a lot of efforts to make sure that his body was untouched. They had planned to secure his gravesite by building a cement brick vault filling in the grave with dirt mixed with heavy stones and employing a watchman that would check his grave every hour of every night for one week. So the day of his funeral, it was discovered that the body of Augustus Devon, whom was buried the week before in a neighboring gravesite, was taken. The next day, one of John Scott's sons and one of Devon's sons went out to look for the body. They had search warrants and everything. They went to Ohio Medical College expecting the body to be there, but they saw dangling from a rope John Scott Harrison's naked body. So they got him even though they had planned this elaborate thing, so they took him before he was even buried. That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Reagan was 60. Okay, so she is still the oldest woman to become a first lady. Interesting. Yeah, because, yeah. So Nancy would have been 64 mm-hmm. in Reagan's second term, right. so still by four years. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, eventually Devin's body was recovered, though. Mm. Um, but isn't that just crazy? It is. Uh, it's like a magic trick or something. It does. It's like, and then put the presto button, <laughs> and, yeah. like, and the body is here. Like, even though you thought it was back in the, yeah. It does. So to make it worse, he was 
hanging by a rope over a trap door, God, naked. I don't even want to know what they were going to do. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that I have is on February 19, 2009, the U.S. Mint released the ninth coin in the presidential $1 coin program bearing WHH's likeness, a total of 98,420,000 coins were minted. Well, that's the the day that this episode comes out is the 19th. So that's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. That's why we waited. Yes. Yeah. So do you think he matched up with any of his Zodiac sign? Wow. Well, let's see here. So, I mean, he definitely seems like he was very independent. He did not follow the typical path of a lot of people. No, you know? he was in he was in northern um the northern area of the US and still was pro slavery. Yeah. And like and just kind of yeah, fo- didn't get, switch political parties whatever, fine. You know, like just yeah. did stuff. Um humanitarian you know, I mean I would say they certainly he certainly seemed like he cared about the the US Anyways, maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, original, eccentric professor is what they say. Analytical. Well, if you look at his picture, he does look like a crazy professor there. Yeah. And definitely assertive. I would say that would follow. Oh, I'm sure he was. He whipped out his sword and right? chased away Native Americans. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add to the history? No, you did a great job. It was very exciting. Lots of different lessons. Lots of new stuff. Yeah. And if you keep going down the rabbit hole, I'm sure there's Harrisons that are related to him still in office to this day. I'm sure. And uh, I know my town had a Harrison Street School. I didn't go to it, but... Well, uh, the person, Cass, that I mentioned, I forget what, um, in regards to what I mentioned it, uh, we have a Cass Avenue in um, a western suburb. We do. I bet it's from that guy. Yeah. So, anyways, time for another break. Okay. Hey, True Believers, it's Dr. David Hickney. That's right. I'm a legit PhD. Anyway, there's still a butt-ton of truth out there, so we're coming back for Season 3. It starts February 28th, 2020. 2020 is a leap year, so February has a 29th day. We don't dare post on that day because, as you know, leap day is the Spode's once quadrennial laundry day. It gets messy. Anywho, Freak of the Week Season 3, February 28th. Elizabeth will be there, too. We're back, and now it's time for the debate. Yes, Rebecca, I'm... do you have a debate lined up for me? Uh, of course I do, because this is... it is... a strong debate? Do you feel strongly? Yes. Yes. I always do. Okay, good. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, this is ghostly, so this is this is it. This is the real stuff. Oh, this is ghostly? Yeah. Oh, it's... I thought we were doing our Walking Dead podcast, which is coming back <laughs> it real is soon. next week. Well, yeah, next week, I Wednesday. Mean, it, yeah, yeah, so a week from... Yeah, like the, what would that be? The 26th. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, um, 
No, I've got some ghost stories because, you know, it's ghostly. So I'm excited. All right, let's do it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say there's really only one ghost story that gets told about William Henry Harrison. Oh, okay, then we're done. Well, no. I mean, I oh. found some things that are related. Oh, okay. okay? But okay. we're going to start with him because he's, he's our main guy. We're going to... We're going to start with him because mm-hmm. he's our main guy. Okay. Okay. So basically, people claim he haunts the attic. Okay. That's that's the big thing, right? They, <laughs> they claim the he, attic. he haunts the attic, which, as I kind of mentioned in my story, is really not an attic anymore. It's yeah. slowly, um, over the years, different presidents have remodeled the attic to make it more living space. I would love to see what was in the attic, you know, all right? the artifacts and stuff. Oh, my God. All the history. Stuff. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, I mean, again, as we said in this episode, lots of rabbit holes. We're choosing which ones are going down. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, people, including several presidents, Mm -hmm. have heard noises coming from the attic in like a storage space Mm. or as the time has gone on, it's become living space. They still hear this rummaging sound like they're looking for something. Harrison has been seen in the attic as well, again, okay. by people that have gone to look and see what's making the noise. And the witnesses report that his apparition appears to take on a blue glow and that the sounds of his hacking cough accompany mm. the sightings. Okay, sounds sounds and, like my grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, um, but no one knows what he's looking for. Like okay. that's not, like that's something that no one's really been able to figure out. Can they help the man find something? I know. It would be... Maybe maybe he's looking for a sword. Maybe. Or a cure. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if there would, there would be a cure in the White House. So anyway, so... Okay, so how many... I just want you to take a guess at this. This mm-hmm. is going to be purely guess. Purely guess. How many people would you say have seen him? I'm going to go with like three. Okay, you how, know, how many people do you think have heard him? That's probably more like 10 to 15. 10 to 15 people. Okay. Yes. In in all of the history of the White House, this is where Well, talking. since he was there, yeah. Yeah, John Adams was the first one to be in the White House, so yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I just did a quick Google search. Uh, Google is not our sponsor, but they could be. <laughs> um to actually, no, I wouldn't want Google as our sponsor. Uh, Sorry, Google. Hey, let's not make the <laughs> you know the people mad. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, so I did a I did a quick search, and currently in the West Wing there is three hundred and seventy seven employees. Now there is also ninety servants that serve in the mansion part where. The um, president, first and first lady, live with their family, and for all the shindings that they have, and the shindings, <laughs> <laughs> all the, for all the shenanigans that they have, and all the parties that they hold. Ninety servants. Okay. So, you figure that number is probably closer to like 500, right? That would be fair to say. Mm-hmm. If I said 500 people worked in the White House currently. And I started thinking about this. Every president brings in their own people. Mm-hmm. So even if we um, say that each one brought in, I don't know, 300, you know, different different people, we're still talking about thousands of people that have worked in the White House. 
and you're saying only like 20 people, 30 people might have seen or heard him? So here's my thought is that, you know, I think it the White House has gotten a lot bigger over the last, you know, 50 years. But right? still, even two presidents, that's 1,000 people. So, but I'm saying yeah. that there weren't that many people. They didn't have that many employees. Yeah. Like the whole third floor didn't even exist for a really long time. So I, my thought is, here's my theory, Okay, is that a lot of these sightings happened many years ago when there really weren't as many people in the White House. And now that there's a lot more and things, there's people around all the time, either they don't hear the spirits Oh, you know, because there's just too much going on. So they just kind of whatever noise they might hear is just like, well, fine. There's like 50 people working upstairs. Like, I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. them. Or the spirits just kind of maybe stay away more because there's just more people around. But even if we're talking 1,000 people in the whole history, you know, even if we're just saying 1,000 people, which is totally lowballing it a lot because if the current president has 377 plus 90 plus whatever else tour guides and all those other things are in there so we're talking that there had to have been at least in our lifetime over a thousand people that have worked at the white house different people Mm -hmm. and we're talking 30 people so that's like three percent so as far as numbers go numbers don't add up if there was this ghost there, you would figure that that percentage would be a lot higher. Again, we're all make. I mean, for me, I'm totally guessing that number. Like, I could be lowballing that. I'm trying to lowball because I don't want to. You know, I don't have exacts. But I will say, like, the you know, it's definitely something that a lot of presidents included, people that have worked in the Oval Office, have claimed to hear these noises upstairs. Sure, they have not all investigated it. You know, some of them, I'm sure, wrote it off to whatever and yeah. didn't report it as ghost. So, again, maybe the ones that have reported it as a ghost or reported seeing something ghostly is a smaller number. But that doesn't mean that those are the only ones that have heard the spirits. I mean, I'm just saying that that number has to be pretty pretty low as far as a percentage base. So 3% of people is probably probably saying a lot more than there actually was. Because as I said, in our lifetime, there was at least a thousand different people that worked in the White House. You're talking since since Harrison died, there had to have been at least 5,000 people. So we're talking that number now goes down to, you know, a percentage or two percentage points and therefore could Two percent of people have things wrong. I mean, I guess, but to me, like it—it's that's not maybe. I mean, if we want to go numbers, it's a very localized haunting, right? It's in this one spot in this one area of the White House. So not everybody—you can't count everybody that's worked in the White House that they would have had the opportunity to hear this particular spirit. You know, it doesn't. It's you can't, so it's but logic, a smaller number. Logically speaking, there should have been a lot more people that have heard or seen, or there should be a lot more tales of WHH in the White House um, since his death, since he was only in there for 31 days. 
Um, it just seems highly unlikely that that small percentage of people are are 100% accurate in their in their tales of what they're saying. Also, these things can, um, you know, the White House is a very big building, right? You've been there. I have never been there. I have been there. Is it's, it big? No. Big-ish? No. It's actually so much smaller than you think it is. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not big, but like when we think like, mansion white house yeah. like it's gotta be huge and it's america and america's house yeah really not that big <laughs> it's, yeah. i mean for that like it's surprising they've added a lot of other annexes and that's like other buildings mm-hmm. where people work because yeah. the actual white house itself is smaller than you might think yeah like the vice president doesn't stay in the white house i always thought that growing up mm-hmm. that you know, the president and the vice president <laughs> live in the same place, but that would be kind of silly. Yeah. What if there was a bomb or something? Right. Okay. But anyways, I'm just saying percentage-based, it doesn't really mean as much to me when I start thinking of it in a bigger picture like this. But also the hacking coughing sound could be something moving. It could be, you know, it could be somebody else there that they hear an echo of. I, I mean, I could debate a lot of these individual facts but i would rather go on the numbers okay so what's your what's your final number then zero to ten of believability for harrison h w h h in the whh whh what do you think it would be it's not my just just predict it i'm guessing you're gonna say zero based on your argument today yeah zero all right i'm giving it a i'm giving it a um a six and a half Six and a half. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. All right. So, because here's the thing. Here's my second one. Okay. Harrison is not the only ghost that's ha- said to haunt the attic. Oh. Okay. So maybe they're fighting. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's got his sword. And I don't fighting. know. Yeah. I don't know. So now this is from a website called Teresa's Haunted Home. So okay. As I'm, I'm quoting her who, here. Who is Teresa? I don't know. Some woman that does research into the haunted okay. areas. It's a pretty cool website, so I, I, I right, recommend cool, go checking it cool. out. Uh, in 1790, David Burns, this is so, I like this, this is a rabbit hole. The original owner of the White House property was forced to give up his land in order to build the iconic presidential home, as you said, that was not the very first one. That one this is not where Washington lived, this is where Adams and after lived. Mm-hmm. He would die nine years later, apparently carrying a chip on his shoulder throughout his afterlife. (laughs) FDR's valet may have been the first person to publicly come forward with his encounter with David Burns. He had heard someone say his name, and when he turned to see who it was, there was no one there. However, he heard a loud voice in his ear say, I am Mr. Burns. Excellent. Excellent. I am Mr. Burns. I know I can't do a Burns impression. <laughs> I, I've been trying. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, a security guard working under the Truman administration also heard the voice saying, I am Mr. Burns. Uh, no, it doesn't work. Okay. Mm-hmm. And assumed it was the voice of James Burns, Secretary of State. Why would the Secretary of State <laughs> walk no, no, in like and he, go? Because you would assume that's someone that's alive. Yeah, but why would why would the Secretary of State walk into the room and go, I am Mr. Burns? <laughs> well, maybe he didn't say it that way, but yes, that would be weird. 
It's crazy. <laughs> Do you walk into rooms and be like, I am Mr. Harrington. <laughs> I am Mr. Harrington. <laughs> uh, the voice has also been heard in the yellow oval room, which at one time served as Abraham Lincoln's library and is quite haunted in its own right. Uh, seemingly coming from the attic above. Um, but it has also been heard in the attic as well, especially in the area over the yellow oval room. So this one is a voice okay. that so talks. My question to you is how much research did you do into this David Burns guy? Uh, nothing. So what I'm going to say is that, um, so Washington was, um, George Washington was one of the people that planned out making the um, White House, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody loved him. Everybody. Probably even this Burns. I'm imagining that he gave him a pretty decent deal. Um, he was a tobacco farmer. Tobacco. <laughs> and um, I'm sure that Washington gave him a pretty, pretty decent deal. So I, first of all, don't believe that he would hold a grudge over this. Did Washington own? No. Or was Washington that was like he doing the negotiating? Uh, I I believe so actually because he plotted where the land would be. He picked the land for it. But that was for the original, wasn't it? Oh, I guess maybe not because it was. Let's see here. He was president up until seventeen ninety. Seven. Yeah, he never actually served in the White House. Right. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, sorry. Washington. So, I'm sure he would have given him a pretty decent deal uh, for his land because he was a farmer as well. Um, So, I'm thinking that I I don't know if this David Burns actually (laughs) had grievance against, you know, them building the White House on his land. But, okay, maybe... Maybe his ghost does. Maybe his ghost is, you know, misinformed or something like that. Again, not many people have heard this Mr. Burns guy. Well, speak. people that have come forward, okay. right? And there's been people that have worked for some pretty big administrations. I don't know. Um, I just believe that if you hear something like that, you could be mistaken. And we're talking, you know, years and years in between hearing that. So, okay. and who knows if the later people, the the Truman administration, if uh, they had actually heard of, you know, the the what was it, um, FDR's um, valet um, talking about Mister Burns or not? Yeah, I suppose we don't know other than he that wasn't his first assumption. Like he assumed it was an actual person and then there wasn't anybody there. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. All right. All right so are we ready for the last one? I am. So we're, we are going to take a bit of a rabbit hole history dive just because I also found a okay. super interesting story <laughs> that I wanted to share. Um, so the last ghost sighting that's related to Harrison is actually his vice president, John Tyler, oh, okay. also is said to haunt the White House. In Tyler too? Tyler too, right? Wow. See here. Yeah, typically Tyler too. He also, he I, couldn't just let Harrison have all the ghostly fun. I thought it was like that they, um, they made a clone of Tyler. That's why it was Tyler too. <laughs> no. Not no. Tyler one, Tyler two. No, Tyler T-O-O. Oh, okay. Yes. So- as you mentioned, Tyler was the first vice president to take over as president, uh, which he did yes. when Harrison died. He had also been a Democrat, but switched to Whig. 
And so just neither party liked him. Like he yeah. was just not liked, basically. So as so he also soon after this all happened, lost his wife, Leticia, Letitia, not sure, um, to a stroke. Mm. So Washington was against him. He basically knew right away he had no chance of reelection and he lost his wife. He kind of went a little crazy, in my opinion. Okay. Just, just my thought. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, Basically, he fell in love, uh, fell head over heels in love with a woman 30 years his junior, four months after his wife died. Wow. Her name was Julia Gardner, and surprise, she was wealthy, Tyler was not, and had posed in a magazine advertisement secretly and scandalously as a teenager, um, and earned the nickname the Rose of Long Island. Ooh, the Long Island Rose. Yes. Um, He spent several years courting her and proposed marriage several times. The first time was in the blue room of the White House. She rejected his, his proposal, but she did not cut off ties. Uh, her parents actually really liked him. I mean, again, the president's interested in your daughter, 30 years older. I mean, you know, but he's president. Um, eventually, he did manage to woo her and get her to marry him. Um, this was after there was like a big dramatic thing where they run a ship in the Potomac and they were testing out this like gun and uh, they get basically backfired Mm. and killed a bunch of people on the boat, um, including like the secretary of state, the secretary of the Navy and Miss Gardner's uh, father. Wow. And so then, you know, just kind of like in the drama of all of that, she agreed to marry him. Um, Basically, some people were, happy for him but a lot of people thought that he was an idiot uh former president john quincy adams wrote that the newlyweds were the laughing stock of the city um but you know what they made the most of his last eight months in office um she's uh sorry she's given credit for the idea of playing hill to the chief every time oh yeah 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 um he walked in Mm -hmm. uh anyways after that they retired had seven kids and she never married again um he died that's hail to the chief. He's the chief and he, he needs hailing. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Right? I don't know the okay. lyrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they retired, had seven kids. I guess, you know, he and Harrison, they liked having lots of kids. Um, his, his last kid was born when he was 70. Um, wow. She never married again, even though he died when she was 41. Um, so... Since then, um, Tyler has been seen several times in the Blue Room where he first proposed to his young love, the Rose of Long Island. So they, they guess they see him proposing to oh, her. Oh, okay. That's what they see. So, um, okay, so they see him. Like, can you give me more details of how they see him? Nope. Okay. <laughs> There's not a lot of detail out there. Um, but I'm guessing, you know, it's that they see him on his knee, I, I on one knee, but I don't know if they did that back then. But yeah, basically okay. he's there asking. Hmm. Well, I I don't know because I don't have enough to go on really, just that they claim to see him. I don't know how they see him, in what manner they see him. I don't know if it's another person that is reenacting. I don't know what I don't know what the scenario <laughs> re-enacting. is. Reenacting the great blue room scene. Yeah, this one definitely um there was not a lot of detail, but it was it was everywhere. Like anywhere you, again if you look up White House ghosts, it's definitely going to 
to be there. Well, you didn't give your number for the David Burns one. No, I didn't. You did not either. Um, for I Dave, would have if you asked. I me. know, I know. Uh, David Burns. I, I'm that one. I am giving an eight. An eight. Yeah, we have some really credible people saying they heard specific things. So I'm, I'm going to go with a higher number for that one. All right, I'm going to go with the same number, which is zero. Okay, and, and uh, what do you think for this one in the blue room? Man, if I could give it a negative, I would. Oh. It is It is so far down zero. <laughs> it, it's like, yeah. All right, I'm giving it a five just because it's romantic. Well, that's not a reason to believe in something just because it's romantic. I think, and there's... it's not really that romantic. He's a creepy old man. He is a creepy old. I mean, they ended up happy. She obviously she was thirty years his junior. She was twenty four. He was like fifty four when they met. And that's married, romantic. Oh, how romantic! I guess. Well, you know, the, she she signed uh, her, all of her letters until her dying day, Mrs. Former President. John Tyler. Yeah, she might have been proud of the fact that he was president, that she married a president. I mean, she took charge as first lady. All right. Is that all you got? That's all I got. All right. Um, Do we have, do you want to do an overall number for this one? It's a little hard because they're kind of different. For me, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Zero. Okay. That's true. Zero. There was no WHH. Okay. He died. Yeah. he, He died. 31 days in office and has not been seen since. All right. I'm going to say- Although a... his son was seen after he died because they found his body, oh, which geez. is creepy. Totally creepy. All right. I'm giving it a seven overall a seven for our overall. stories today. Okay. Yeah. That's about what you usually give overall. Yeah. Seven to 7.5. That's what you usually do. <laughs> You're keeping track? Yep. Okay. okay. Well, that brings us to the closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We- are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. This time I figured out how mine can make a sound. Ooh, good so job. So I'm really excited about this. <laughs> Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready, sure. All right, and go. All right, so I think that all of us Okay, most of us can agree that the White House is an important place that has a lot of important people in it and therefore a lot of important energy. And that important energy draws spirits to it. Uh, I think once someone is a president, you know, especially one that got taken out so early, I mean, 31 days, you know, he had so much, um, he spent two hours talking about what he wanted to do with his presidency. He, you know, had so much left that he had in his mind and he just wasn't able to do literally any of it because he was sick even for most of that 31 days, at least half of it. So, you know, he died tragically. He died in pain and sepsis and all of that. So it doesn't surprise me at all that his spirit is still there, still looking, still wishing he could do the things that he wanted to do. Bam. There's the sound, right? There's there. my drop. Good job with the sound. I didn't even hear but what now you, you said. Can't I stop just, the yeah, I can't stop. I can't stop it. <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. I was just so excited to hear the sound of this. <laughs> so, Rebecca, you got me? I got you. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, and go. The numbers do not support this. The numbers of people that potentially saw all these things are so small compared to how many people have worked at the White House. It just, I mean, there is a margin of error when, when we're talking about science, 
there is a margin of error, these people could have that margin of error. It doesn't mean that there is a ghost. It doesn't mean that there's anything supernatural. The White House is a very historic place. Being that there's been so much history there, people are probably more prone, especially if you're working there by yourself late at night, like your story was. Uh, I, you know, you, you didn't say that that was true, but if you're working there alone, I mean, that's got to be kind of creepy being in a big facility that could, you know, have 500 employees and you're the only one. Yeah. I get creeped out if I look too long for clothes in the closet. Oh, do you have one last thing you want to say? I'll let you. Nope. That's it? That's it. Okay. Oh, done. You're done. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family, as we always say, because word of mouth is our best advertisement. advertisement. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Come see us at C2E2 if you can. We'll be there every day, Friday, or Friday February 28th. Saturday the 29th, and March 1st. And remember, on the 29th, 2 o'clock, Fountain Downstairs, McCormick Place, we will be there for fan meetup. But if you're there, yeah, any of those days, message us on, on Facebook or, or uh, Instagram or Twitter. Or email us at info at ghostlypodcast.com. You got it. And we will both set up. We'll, we'll come find you. We'll give you a, a button. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we might be making some videos while we're there. That's the hope. The hope is to make some videos. Uh, also, please make sure that you check out ghostlypodcast.com to see all of our show notes. Uh, Rebecca does a great job with all of them. She posts links to everything, all of our research. Some cool pictures. Cool pictures, videos sometimes. I mean, everything. We've got a lot of stuff up there. And um, I just would love for you to check it out and see it for yourself at least once. Yes. So we will be talking about the old Chicago City Cemetery on the next episode that comes out on March 4th. This is the craziest thing. Yes. I am going to give you a, a clue. Okay. It's similar in some ways to the story of the movie Poltergeist. It is. Yeah. I'm going to tell the... them why, though, actually, because oh, okay. they left a bunch of bodies buried <laughs> under the city of the Chicago. Bodies. They never moved the bodies. <laughs> they still discover bodies now. Yeah. So uh, it is definitely, it's one of the reasons why Chicago is considered one of the most haunted places on earth. Yeah. And it's a story that isn't necessarily told as much as you would imagine. No. And yeah. we haven't done a good Chicago ghost story in a while. Yeah, so it's I'm time. excited to get back home yes. to talk about stuff on March 4th. Yes. Very excited. Yep. So until next time, stay ghostly. Bye.